Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Super Special 7, Snowbound. Say that five times fast. <laughs> super Special 7, Snowbound, Super Special 7, Snowbound, Super... No, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. I'm yeah. impressed. Uh, you made it through, yeah. Right into it. Thanks. Uh, do you guys have your one-sentence summaries? It is. Yes. I did a one-word summary this time. Oh, nice. Mine is blizzard. Oh, that's very good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Mine is Stacy and her mom don't get murdered. Mm-hmm. Nice. I actually have the most informative one. Oh, this great. Week. That was me last time. Yeah. All, you know, who knows Chris- what's happening over here? <laughs> <laughs> um, Christy pitches the babysitter's blizzard experiences as a human interest story to the local newspaper. Also shaves her legs for the first time with an electric razor. Fantastic. That was Wait, very- was that second part? A que- did a second part have a question mark? Well, I, it's like, was it her first time? Why, she says it. Why would she lie to in her personal narrative? But who shaves her legs with like an electric? I've never done that before. My first time, I totally did. Because you read this book? Maybe. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Like, very likely, it was probably, like, the month this book came out. (laughs) I did not connect those things. Both my parents used an electric razor, so that was all that I thought was around. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, you're so, you're such a Christie. I'm I'm such a Christie. Yeah, mooning over Bart. You regularly spend two hours Mm -hmm. primping in the bathroom. Oh, for sure. I don't think I've spent two hours getting ready in my whole life, like, even on my wedding day. Total, cumulatively. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, cumulatively. I have never spent two hours getting ready. No. That's what what the fuck do you do for two hours? Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, some no. like for senior prom, I got like a crazy hairdo and that may have taken the hairdresser two hours, but like I did not spend t- like. All right. You just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. And I'm Anna Chikawa, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with the sweet tooth. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, Drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. And we have three new patrons. Woohoo! So thank you, Mara Murphy, Steph, and Emily Merrill. Yay! Pizza toast to you. This was the first time my, oh, wait, you guys was really genuine. (laughs) First time. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, like, oh, wait, we actually do have to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Wait. Wait, we're going to forget. Yeah. Wait, wait. Back up. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So Um, we want to do a run through of of each storyline, each human interest piece. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Marianne and Mallory are sitting a long job. At the Pike's house because Mr. and Mrs. Pike are going to New York for like a day and a half. Just like a really long One day. day. Like okay. early they're the leaving at like 5 a.m. Yeah. Right. So Marianne was going to sleep over both nights, right? Be there when the kids woke up and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Pikes, they just get stuck in New York, right? We don't. Yeah. yeah. There's no real peril in the Pike story. It's just kind of fun mm-hmm. for everybody, I feel like. And then Claude's at the Perkinses. 
and they lose Chewie. That's the worst thing that happens to them. But he's in the basement again. I feel like they always lose Chewie in the basement. Yeah. Oh, Chewie, how'd you end up in the basement? <laughs> Do you think that's going to be a, a mystery where they try to figure out why Chewie always gets stuck in the basement? And they're going to be like, it's the phantom phone caller. And then they're going to be like, oh, no, there's a, just a hole in the and door. And then they're going to be like, oh, it's Alan Gray. Alan Gray put Chewie in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Alan Gray is the phantom phone caller. Yeah. Oh, wait, he really is. No. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> All right, are we trying to do these in order of like least to most peril? Because I think Christy's next on the least scale. So she gets snowed in at home, but Bart's over. With so it's Bart, really dun, dun, dun. exciting and embarrassing. Yeah, um, and Bart's mad chill. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily continues to be in love with Bart. <laughs> He's so hot. <laughs> I didn't think about order of peril. I guess Jesse is next. Yeah, Jesse gets snowed in at her dance school. And Quint somehow makes it there. Oh, I have thoughts on Quint, the 11-year-old, walking in a town he's never been to. Yeah, like how did he find it? No. Also, when his parents are like, yeah, we just assumed that he was safe. (laughs) I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess he's like a black kid who grew up in the city. Right, so he's good at navigating snow in the suburbs? I don't think that those, those talents translate. No, I'm just saying, I'm not saying talents. I'm saying like you had to grow up sooner. You know, mm-hmm. you have different conversations about safety and yeah, hit, blah, blah, blah. He had to carry his dance clothes in a bowling bag. That's yeah. true. So he's ready for anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what else he has in that bowling bag? Maybe yeah. it's like a, I don't know, Mary Poppins <gasps> a, survival kit. A compass. Okay. So that's four of them. <laughs> Dawn gets stuck in the airport with her mom mm-hmm. overnight and Jeff has gets rerouted to Washington, D.C. Which is dramatic because Jeff is newly like afraid of dying on an airplane. Yeah, and he's only 10. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. I keep forgetting he's only 10. He's 10. He's little. Yeah. And then... Stacy oh, and her Jessie. mom. And then Stacy. Stacy and Maureen get snowed in in a car with no heat and no gas on the side of a rural highway. And no food. And Stacy is a, yeah. as you know, probably listeners, if you didn't, <laughs> Stacy's a type 1 diabetic. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 Can you imagine someone listening to just this episode? <laughs> Stacy, who? Reason? <laughs> who? Why would any? I I can't imagine a world in which any human would listen to this episode without knowing that Stacy McGill is diabetic. I mean, they could just be a friend of ours, but why would they listen to this one specifically? Right. Yeah. yeah. So then they get rescued by Ken Schiavone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a name! Also, the names of the men in this book are out of control. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go over that later. Okay. But, but that's where everybody is. Yes, but like he get they get taken away to like a gingerbread house, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. undisclosed location. Yeah, yeah, and have a wonderful time. And Thank they goodness. shove a baby also, at Stacy. How far away really is the Washington Mall from Stony Brook? Stacy's like, too bad they don't live close enough for me to babysit. Like, you don't live within a close enough distance to the mall that you go to that you couldn't babysit someone who lives between the mall and your house. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of these people also moved towns to be in Stony Brook, even though they're like technically commuter towns to mm-hmm. where they work. So yeah. mm. who knows? Also, who just point out that this entire book would not have happened if there were cell phones. Yeah. Well, cell towers can go down in really big snowstorms, no? I mm. think it's very rare on mm. in a place this densely populated. Nowadays. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when there was that big blizzard when we lived in New York and when we walked down like 7th Avenue, I feel like then there wasn't cell service then, but like we didn't have smartphones and there weren't very that many cell phones. Yeah. I don't remember ever having an issue like getting in touch with someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, during the blackout. The blackout. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's every- the thing. Power went out. So. But the there, I think you can now. still have cell service though without power. Well, yeah. You know, it as long depends. as your phone's charged. As your phone is charged. Yeah. Well, anyway. if you live in a place where you rely on Wi-Fi, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Emily, what you this is boring. <laughs> um, okay, so multiple people say something to the effect of, mm, you better enjoy it. This might not, you know, you might not get to see this again. But right. Mallory is the only one who says because of global warming. Um, which I think is funny, right? Because we don't call it global warming anymore in part because of some data I'm going to share with you, right? That doesn't quite capture the, like, you know, the wide variety of ways in which climate has actually changed. Mm -hmm. Although there has been warming. So in basically, I was like, would Mallory be right? Has climate change? Would climate change mean that the girls who are 13 in 1991 would never see snow like that again? And the answer is no, in part because while Connecticut has gotten warmer, um, extreme weather events have gotten worse, mm. which includes blizzards and snow and other such things. But some stuff that I found interesting, um, the annual mean temperature in Connecticut has exceeded the 20th century average every year since 1993. So uh, it's increased like three degrees Fahrenheit faster since 1895 than the rise in global mean temperatures, hmm. the temperature in Connecticut. Isn't that interesting? And also, okay, annual total precipitation in Connecticut has increased over the last two decades. Um, the state has received above average precipitation in recent decades, but rain has gone like skyrocketing and snow has gone down uh, on average. But precipitation falling during intense multi-day events, events, which includes blizzards, has increased by 71% in the Northeast. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah. a 20, that's a 2014 data point. So I don't know. I can't imagine it's been lessened in the last few years. Oh, it I seems mean, the like last we've really improved things. <laughs> blizzards that we have have been insane in terms of snowfall. So it's kind of, it's interesting because like technically Mallory was right, right? Like the climate in Connecticut has gotten significantly warmer and there has mm-hmm. been less snow overall, but it's likely they would have seen several kind of catastrophic <laughs> storms mm-hmm. of, if not of blizzard nature, then atmospheric rivers flooding. Yeah. 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 Fl- there's been like a significant, um, incredible increase in in like flooding related disaster in Connecticut and like the sea level has already risen there I forget where I put that one down almost a foot in the last like 100 Mm -hmm. years which is a lot that is a lot Jeez. Yeah. Well, so basically, what does that mean for for the kind of snow that the kids and the babysitters basically wanted, right? Like, it's almost Christmas. They wanted, like, some pretty snow. They wanted some pretty convenient snow. Maybe shut down school for a day, but mostly just, like, have it be a little fun. And so Mm -hmm. it sounds like what you're saying is there is less of that. There's less of, like, a nice dusting and more it's either rain or, like like, just pounding of snow. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that everyone's, like, I, I think this is a budding like sensibility about environmental issues that is displayed mm-hmm. here, right? Everyone's like, all the kids are lamenting that they haven't had it yet. They haven't had it yet. And they're, it's not even snow days. It's like, there's no snow at all. There's no, mm-hmm. we don't walk to, in the snow. We don't play in the snow. And so we're already seeing the kind of reaction to how that particular weather phenomena um, has changed in the last 20 years, like beginning in this moment, right? Everyone's like, mm-hmm. 
where's the snow? Where's the snow? And it's like, oh, we're not going to get any of that nature anymore. It's just going to be, you know, three feet of snow at a time in a disaster that like disables everything for three days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yep, that's, uh, so Mallory was partially right. And right about the average, wrong about the extreme weather events. Mm -hmm which I doubt is surprising to either of you yeah. or to any of our listeners, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have a little bit of, uh, you know, 31 years later, we have a little bit of context for what they were predicting. But I did I did notice the, like, this is not a ghost-written book. So, like, Anna Martin's, like, drumbeat throughout of, like, hey, yeah. everybody, we need to pay attention to this. So, And I liked that it was Mallory, too. I feel like she's the one in Little Miss Stony Brook who's like, ugh, feminism. And she's the one here who's like, <laughs> global warming, guys. Yeah. And now I'm like, ugh, another uh, more confirmation that we're all just really Mallory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we didn't want to be here because she was 11, right? And her, like, <laughs> character trait is not liking being 11. Yeah, but I, I think we also all went to big state schools and Mallory's going to end up at, like, a seven sister or, like... <laughs> Like, mm. like, I feel like she's like a Smith or Wellesley. Yeah, person. no, she's going to Smith. She's yeah. going to stay close to home. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Well, she has to babysit. So she has to stay close to home. <laughs> oh no! Don't make the pike sound like the Duggars. Like, I think they'll let her launch when it's time to launch. <laughs> oh, geez. but is she going to want to? She, you know, as we, the babysitters club will still be going on, then, so she'll have to be able to. Take, commute home for those meetings it'll be the bsc llc they're gonna start it as a club each of them will start the chapter at their own university (laughs) wait can we write this series oh my i mean i babysat a lot in college yeah me too yeah i like this babysitters club in college goes to college oh they did like sweet valley university with sweet valley high i mean i feel like we could definitely do it i'm sure many people have already done it on the interwebs if only we remembered to check those uh, such things yeah. <laughs> as part of our researches. Anything else that you noticed or liked, Emily? Um, nothing like specific to my usual ruining things vibe, but there were some funny things. I thought the like boy characters were all really weird in this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Logan says, I love you on the phone and then like skis to the Pikes with, with a backpack full of food because they're all starving because Mrs. Pike was going to go to the grocery tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which like whatever this I, is the start of the logan apology tour i guess yeah, oh, like, for sure for sure <laughs> yeah he's he's really working on making it up to them i have to i had to say like his behavior was not reprehensible in this book like yeah he didn't I agree he didn't wait for marianne to ask for help he was just like yeah. let's do this he was just like, I'm going to save the day. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much cross-country skiing practice people get in Kentucky, though. I wasn't sure that that would be a thing that he would be adept I think he's at. just like a natural athlete, you know? Mm-hmm. Scare quotes <laughs> abound. Um, I also thought Bart was, seemed way too chill. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was into it, but like... Yeah. It was a little creepy to me. He's yeah, like, yeah. I think you look beautiful. And I was like, what? <laughs> Like who? Ew. Okay, you guys, think back to Christy, the mystery admirer. Bart is all about the words of affirmation. He's like, he's ready. He's he's not ashamed. He's ready to like dole him out. Like that's his that's his jam. What's Logan's love language? <laughs> Con- controlling time. Oh, and, quality time. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and carrots and crackers. I, I yeah. <laughs> acts of service. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, it seemed, and I, but I also really liked um, sort of conversely to how I 
thought that Logan and Bart were a little bit like out of character. Mm-hmm. I think this is the character we're supposed to think Logan is, but like it doesn't jive with my um, prior reading of him. But Bart, I think, seems too mature. Um, but I did like that the Thomas brothers seem appropriately immature. Yes. <laughs> in this book. I thought that was very funny. All three of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like David Michael's like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then the teenagers are acting like teenagers in a way that I found very for sure pleasing. Yeah. yeah I charming. love Sam and Charlie. I also really like that I think Anna Martin does a really good job of writing the teasing in the Thomas family to convey the love behind it. Like, mm-hmm. I think they were being pretty ruthless, but they're also, like, I think if they thought Chrissy couldn't handle it or if they thought that Bart would be weird about it, I don't think that they would have done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like yeah. they were reading the situation and they knew Bart could hang and they knew Christy would be mad at them but could take it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, in a couple of years, they're totally going to be palling around with Bart oh, yeah. in the hood, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also just, as we've already mentioned, Quint, is utterly unbelievable as an 11-year-old. So, I just Quint. I I mean, I have so many questions about Quint. I have like where is the train station in Stanford compared to the ballet school? Also, it must be across the street. That's the only that's explanation. That's the only explanation, right? If it's yeah. not across the street because if you're in a blizzard, it's hard to see street signs. You he doesn't have an iPhone and Google Maps, you know, like he doesn't he was not would not have a map of the area even because he was supposed to get picked up by Mr. Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So like I like having not lived in snow a ton. Like I remember when there were blizzards in New York and not really being sure where I was some of the time and having to pause and mm-hmm. like see you know when when it's actively coming down mm-hmm. and there's no cars on the street and the streets aren't swept yet. Mm-hmm. Like he's like oh just point me toward Madame Noel's. Like what? <laughs> like, Excuse me, sir. Yeah. And then he just shows up in the doorway like some romantic comedy, like, mm-hmm. like, and, oh, it's you, you know, like. <laughs> and he just happens to be good with children. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the ballet teachers are like, mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> mm, mm. I would prefer not to. <laughs> oh, 11 year old who babysits? Yes, you be in charge. Thank you. <laughs> But I was thinking about how we always get more like boy character development in the super specials, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yeah, there's more. T- there's more time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, why does everyone Don has a crush on have like a Thurston Howell the Third kind of like uh, '80s rich person name? Because we've had Parker before, and like wasn't there like a Carter? And now we have Price Irving, which, <laughs> as you said, Anne is out of control. Yeah, I don't know. He sounds kind of hot. <laughs> I'm kidding. He does not. <laughs> but like Bart Taylor's not a rich boy name in this in the way that Price Irving is. No, but he is rich, which yeah. is what I like about him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um anyway. <laughs> All right. Um I have a little bit less psychology um and more just things I really liked in this book that I think were development that were developmentally appropriate other than the things we just talked about. But one psychology thing I thought was interesting, the other thread throughout other than climate change was that damn weatherman who's lying to us. <laughs> and like everyone, although I think one point Christy, you know, said like corrects like I don't think she says meteorologist, but somebody calls the person on television a weather girl. 
and she says like weather woman weather or something. person weather person right yeah mm-hmm. um so it, what it was really interesting to me like how mad everybody was at them and then coincidentally this week I I listened to this um podcast from Michael Lewis called Against the Rules that's um has like a different theme each season and they did one on referees in society and this week this this season on referees yeah on like um because well that's this is an aside but the first season on referees is really interesting because like referees in pro sports get like super abused now and like need police escorts even though they're better at their jobs than ever and have like a bunch of additional training um, that's fucked up yeah it's really bad um so that's like the theme of that about how like we as a society don't like referees nowadays and this mm-hmm. third season is on expertise and how we don't respect expertise um mm-hmm. and the le- the season the episode this week was about uh, meteorologists and how that's so funny yeah and how meteorologists I'll put a link in the show notes how meteorologists have gotten significantly better in the last 30 years at predicting weather to the point where you know normally we can say like I don't know it was raining here yesterday they said the rain was going to start around four and was going to end around 5 a.m today and it did you know like and they used to not be able to do that and so predicting things like this like disastrous snowstorms and tornadoes they're way way better at it but people are getting more angry at their mm-hmm. weather people and meteorologists so they they profiled this one dude in Alabama who has saved you know thousands of lives with tornado warnings and then he like reads his mean tweets on the air <laughs> like of people telling him he should go like crawl in a hole and die because he's such a bad so meteorologist it's really really bad and so i was thinking about the fact that like they had pretty crude tools in the 90s to predict weather and how mm-hmm. and Basically, the theme of the episode, and I think we've talked about this before on here, is like how bad we are as humans at understanding probabilities Mm -hmm. and how, you know, by definition as a meteorologist, you cannot say it is going to, like, we can't predict the weather, right? (laughs) Like, it's right there in the lyrics to Sorry, Miss Jackson. Like, it's, that's a truism. We can, we can't know for sure, right? Um, And we're Mm -hmm. way, way better, but we as a people don't like, like, there's a 70% chance of rain. We just right. want to know, is it going to rain or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of a setup when you deal with probabilities, which is some of what we've seen in the pandemic as well, right? Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you're not likely to have adverse effects from the vaccine, but we can't say that you definitely won't, right? And you're you're less right. likely to catch COVID if you get vaccinated, but we can't say that you definitely won't. And right. like humans want like, this is a, you know, this happens exactly, but nothing in medicine is 100% yes or no. You know, it's Can all I, probabilistic. This reminds me of something that didn't occur to me when I was reading, but would have been something that kind of falls under the rubric of what I usually talk about. I've, I'm thinking about while you're talking about the politics of like the relationship between how people respond to the people who announce weather and then people in decision making capacities who make decisions about what to do mm-hmm. in response to that weather. And like we hear this in New York all the time that city and state, you know, governing bodies sometimes wait a really, really long time to make calls mm-hmm. about whether to close school. And there's so much like socioeconomic pressure mm-hmm. around it, right? You have like upper middle class families who don't want to be inconvenienced by having to take their kids to school when they'll be, mm-hmm. you know, working from home that day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this like predates pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but then you have like a bunch of really, really low income families whose kids like get 
really crucial resources and things that they need at school. So closing school sometimes puts other people in these like really precarious positions, mm-hmm. again, similar to some of the discourse we've seen around um, pandemic stuff. But it's interesting. It does not surprise me at all that people are like awful to weather people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, uh, it's such a bum. I mean, well, I also work in a probabilistic field, right? There's no like blood test for you know, if you're going to have another manic episode or you're going to have another depressive episode later in your life or anything, you know. There's not. Um, (laughs) So, so, you know, it's hard. It's hard for people to sit with that or people want to know like, well, why does my kid have this anxiety disorder? And like, we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't know. Like we have, we we know different things that contribute, but we can't answer those questions. And so, you know, partly because lots of things are, are baby science, but the advances in the last 30, 40 years, um, in weather specifically, are really huge, but people are getting more and more mad about it and about well, calls I, and things like that. It's interesting, too, that that's happening at the same time as weather patterns are changing so drastically, mm-hmm. too, right? So maybe yeah. there's some a little bit of the like inability for us to grasp the like gravity of climate change might right. be related to you know, these patterns and things that we expect from the weather and then they don't come to pass. And then, but we're still like holding our weather reporters accountable for that tiny degree of error in like, you know, delivering the right news to us or right information or getting it right. Yeah. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah. It's horrendous and awful. So we don't, you know, shocker, shocking that people don't like uncertainty, but people don't like uncertainty. Um, So that's a big part of all of this. And how is it in Southern California? Do you get really mad at your weather person? <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, <laughs> was it? I honestly, it's so funny because in New York, you like check the weather every day. So you know what to wear. Like mm-hmm. I don't check the weather anymore. <laughs> I literally, and also I don't leave my house. So <laughs> there's that too. But, you know, sometimes when I step outside, I'm like, oh, it's kind of, it's kind of chilly. And it's like, whatever, like 65 degrees. Um <laughs> Severe eye roll. Friendly. I cannot roll um, them enough. I, I, I did take an atmospheric science class in college. Oh. And weirdly, I did, I got like an A plus. <laughs> it's like the only A plus I've ever gotten <laughs> in college. But I was really, really into it. And I was, it was, it was like applied, I'm very good at applied sciences, mm-hmm. um, not like abstract things. So I was like, oh, this is like, makes sense to me. Is know. this where you tell us that sometimes when you daydream about alternate careers, you daydream about being a weather person? Yes, <laughs> I do. It's okay, Aunt, Aunt Mel used to say this bit all the time, and I don't know if it's a joke that she stole from someone or she made up, but she was like, oh, the easiest job in the world is weather person in San Diego. This is probably true. Yeah. What is there to even talk about? <laughs> it's going to be uh, 80 degrees have to look sunny. Yeah. <laughs> look hot. Yeah, it's true. You do have to look hot. I think that's true. Oh, right. damn, that's messed up. That would have been something interesting to look at. Oh, well. What? How hot weather people are in different areas? Yeah, do you have to be hot? <laughs> I mean, I think you, I've noticed. How many weather man are, men are there compared to weather women? There are, there are lots of weather men. I don't think they have to be hot in the same way. I think they have to be mm. like sonorous and, uh, you know, commanding. Mm, so just what you'd expect. Yep. Okay, <laughs> carry on. I'm sure someone has done... A dissertation on this. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I was really interested in was just the the reactions to the actual peril 
particularly with Don and Sharon and Stacy and Maureen. So we have these two kind of single mother situations. Don heartbreakingly says, every now and then I feel as if I am my mother's mother, which I think we've gotten that theme before from her with emotional labor and things like that. But it was just said so starkly in this book um, as Sharon's kind of, they're making their way to the airport and Sharon's sort of like, it's a, everything's going to be fine, you know, without like really <laughs> trying to problem solve and thinking of the gravity of the situation. Um, and then, of course, we have Stacy and Maureen really, really stuck and in a potentially dangerous situation and having no chance, no choice but to go with the Shiavones and roll the dice. That I'm kind of surprised that man. she got off the highway. Yeah, I think that was a bad move. But I also get why she would have been scared to continue driving on the highway in that. But it seems like so then you pull over on the side of the highway and put your hazards on so that someone is more likely to stop. I like how we're really critiquing her decision. (laughs) (laughs) I also just feel like for for Stacey and Maureen, I guess, well, Sharon grew up in Stony Brook, but has lived in California for a long time. And Maureen was used to living in the city. I feel like they were sort of unprepared for this situation. And I know the weather person had been wrong and that's part of what they're doing is they're building up the idea that like it makes sense that no one was ready for this blizzard because the weather person had been lying to them. And they seemed seemed a little unprepared. Yeah, Um, I agree. You know, I I will say, so this last fall, we had two hurricanes back to back. And I think they both got downgraded as they approached further north. And one, there was like all of this hype about where everyone was like, stay inside, you know, crazy winds, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like a light sprinkle. And then the second one, there were not as many warnings. And that was the one that was awful where the, the, all the subways were flooded. Like Erin and I almost got stuck in Manhattan. It was when she was visiting in September. Hey. And we drove the next day up to Cape Cod and there were just hundreds of cars lining the side of the highways in the city, like all filled with water. And I was like, where did the people go? That's bananas. I blame the weather person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was the city though, right? The city was like, oh, oops, we got a lot of flack for like, closing things unnecessarily and impeding general operating. And so we're not going to do it this time. And then like, it was way worse. Yeah. The psychology of that is really interesting to me because I don't like, I guess it's just, it's always capitalism all along. Right. I just feel like on a personal level, you tell me like, Oh, sorry, you can't work today. You have to stay home because of weather. I'm like, awesome. Great. Shit. Yeah. I can like, like why, uh, you know, And I understand what you're saying in terms of lower income people, Emily, right? Of like, wait, my kid was counting on that school lunch and things like that. But the fuss from higher income people, I really don't get. (laughs) It bothers me. I'm like, yeah, let's just all take a break. And then those of us who have capacity can help those of us who don't because we have to take this break. Communist. Okay, so Don and Jeff and Sharon's situation reminded me of one of my favorite episodes of This American Life, um, which is called Babysitting, and it has some really, really great babysitting stories. So people that listen to this podcast maybe will like it, those of you that don't hate the babysitting chapters as much as Anne and Emily do. It's a really, really great episode. It's from a long time ago, but um, the reporter Susan Burton does a piece on it 
called um, In the Event of an Emergency, Put Your Sister in the Upright and Locked Position about (laughs) this time that she and her sister got stuck in Chicago. Um, And it was the day after Christmas in 1988, and there was a giant blizzard and this, it made the news because basically something like 80 unaccompanied minors who were like divorced kids traveling from one parent to the other all got stuck together in Chicago in the airport. Um, and like flight attendants had to take care of them for something like 24 or 48 hours. And later it got made into the, that movie, Unaccompanied Minors. I think it came out in like 2006. I did not see it. I don't know if the Me film neither. is good. I've never heard of it. Um, but the story of it is in this episode of This American Life. And that's bananas. It's bananas. But it made all the papers and everything. So I was wondering if that was maybe one of Anna Martin's inspirations for Jeff getting stuck and like, you know, staying in a hotel and eating whatever random, you know, having a flight attendant look after him. Although his yeah. kind of like more of a solo adventure, which I feel like would be scarier in some ways, because at least if there's other kids, you're like around some other kids that are in the same situation. Right. Well, that makes it, that makes the like, what's the after school special part of this more <laughs> clear, right? We have, okay, global warming. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, see, it's not too scary. If you get stranded, the nice flight attendant will take you and you might get to order room service. Right. Like, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, I just really recommend that. And I think that the psychology of that, like it's such a heightened situation. We already know that Jeff's like a little afraid of flying and he's worried that he's not going to get there and he doesn't really want to come, even though he wants to see Don and Sharon. And then this happens. It's a little like Alanis Morissette ironic. Um, and 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 then exactly they, they're like, see, it's okay. Jeff's fine. He's proud of himself. So I just- Yeah, they didn't like get rid of Jeff somehow and make <laughs> oh, him go away. No, Jeff. Um, And then the last thing I just want to talk about is how, you know, I I know we talked about the teasing already, but how realistic you thought, you guys thought Christy's, like, terror at BART being there was and her maneuvering. Because I, I, my impression earlier on is part of the reason she likes BART is that it's not so stressful and that he's easy to talk to and he's, like, a normal person instead of a boy like Alan Gray or somebody else. And so... It see I like certainly there are thirteen year olds who would react that way, and I think the like fundamental embarrassment of being a thirteen year old is is well rendered, but it didn't seem super Christy to me because of, or super Christy and Bart because like previously she said a bunch about how the only reason she likes him is because she's not like nervous around him and not the only reason but you know like he's chill. Yeah, I guess the only. It kind of makes sense because Chris's like likes to be in control of everything. Mm. And I feel like that's the one thing that maybe might have like made her have a lot of anxiety over it. It's like mm-hmm. this isn't on her terms. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think sense. so like I think I get her freaking out about it, but I think like curling her hair was like really weird. <laughs> right. Because yeah. then it looks like you're trying too hard. Right. And that goes opposite of what she's trying to, I don't know. Right. Well, and she is Gen X based on the year this book came out and when she would have been bored. So she would definitely not want to look like she's trying too hard. Exactly. (laughs) That's death in 1991. Yeah. Like like the internal struggle of just being like freaking out over a boy spending the night at your house makes sense. Mm -hmm. But blow drying, curling and shaving your legs is a little bit. Right. But also makes for a good chapter, I guess. Right. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. You got to create some drama somehow. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. I was like trying to think about how I would have reacted at 13 and I def- definitely would not have reacted like that. But I ha- I had a lot of friends that were boys also. Mm-hmm. Which, right. Like, and Christy isn't bothered by yeah. it. She, she also, you know, she's like, 
Alan Gray's some fun, fun sometimes. Like I get along with Logan really well. Like she she talks to other boys. Like mm-hmm. yeah. All right. That's all I got. What about you, Annie? Well, I have a lot of things I took note of. So I'll do some rapid fire of just things I want to point out. And then I'll get into like two little things um, I looked into. So at first I was, wasn't sure if Anna Martin wrote this book. And then I was like, okay, she definitely wrote this book. Cause there's so many like boomer <laughs> references. And also it's like, she involves cats, ice cream and I love Lucy in this book. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Shout It by the Tin Can Voices. Don't know who, that's a fake band, but I thought it was just funny. Christy rents Uncle Buck and Back to the Future to watch. Everyone knows the plot of Back to the Future, but do you guys know what Uncle Buck is about? I just saw it for the first time during the uh, pandemic. So it has to do with babysitting, which I yes. thought. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, John Candy is their ne'er-do-well Uncle Buck and... Mm-hmm probably is not viewed as a, a good babysitter by BSC standards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. remember why he has to come be with the kids, though. It says that their parents, I think, have an emergency or something. Okay. And there's like no He's one He's a else member of the, them. what's it called? <laughs> the, uh, the rival oh, the babysitter's, babysitter's agency. Sucks. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. All the BSC members were full, so they had to call Uncle Buck. Let's see. Oh, I like how they said XYZ. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't follow it up with PDQ, which I was yeah. confused about. Yeah. It's, uh, it was lazy. You got to have I don't it. know that one. Wait, uh, you don't? Did you say XYZ when you were a kid? Um, I didn't, but I remember okay. it being said. But nobody yeah. said PDQ? I don't know. I don't know what that it is. pretty darn quick. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on page 123, there's, it's one of the illustrations, and the girl looks like Emily. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> What? Did you just say that so you have something to post on the Instagram for this week? No, but it really looks like you. Does it? Wait. Why are you laughing so hard? Because she has such a resting bitch face. Like, she's so over it. It's okay. on 123. Let me wait, see if I can Hang on. Maybe I could just put it. Wait. How do I? Oh, you do it as Which me. one? Because I can't. There. It kind of does look like me. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Uh, so oh, I, Emily, I feel it. like we need to take a picture of you making this face. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. And then put them next <laughs> to each other. Um, uh. It annoyed me that Don and her mom, like, still ate salads at the airport. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> that's your comfort food. They're just like, oh, they have good salads. It's lame. Also, they are not going to have good salad exactly. in Connecticut airport in December during a snowstorm. <laughs> Dang, I can't I, find it. It's going to be like the salad you get at the spaghetti factory. It's going to be no, iceberg I'm sorry. lettuce. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> that is a good salad. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's iceberg lettuce with like some carrot shavings on top. Right, but it's not going to have the creamy pesto dressing, so... <sighs> Moving on. Um, I feel like this is a fight I have no yeah. stake in. <laughs> um, Margo doesn't like Oriental food. Yeah, it's been a little while since I had a social justice tally, but mm-hmm. I got I got two from this book, and that was one of them. Yeah. And Don's mom is dressed like the Matrix. Wait, <laughs> look at page two hundred nine. <laughs> I was like, this is what she wore to the airport. I was like, okay, that's. Pretty like stylish, actually. She's wearing like, a leather 
trench coat with like high heeled, like knee high black, boots. like a leather duster. Yeah. Oh my God. She looks cool. Right. Yeah. Anyway, those were kind of things I wanted to point out. Um, but the two things I, Oh, she finished them. Folks. Emily has been eating a package of seaweed kind of snacks and she, she has completed her mission. Appreciate her judicious use of the yeah. mute button, everyone. <laughs> okay. In Oh, so the Pikes start singing, like, oldie songs. And so they sing Do A Diddy mm-hmm. by Manfred Mann, Who Put the Bop by Barry Mann, and Lollipop, which was made popular by the Cordettes, mm-hmm. but written by someone else. Mm-hmm. So as I was looking into that, I realized that she, Anna Martin misspelled the lyrics. Ooh, to who put the bomb or to do to all of them, to all of them. <laughs> but like, I'm not sure. Wait, she really? I'm not sure if she did it on purpose mm. or if it was like on accident. So I think when we interview her, this should be the very yes, first question yes. that we ask. <laughs> so in the book, it is written "Dua Ditty Ditty." Oh no, it's Diddy, right? But it's Diddy Diddy. Mm-hmm. And it's in the book, she says "Who put the bop," but it's "Who put the bump." Mm-hmm. And in the book, they say, they sing lollipop as, oh, la, la, lolly, lolly. Mm. But it's actually, oh, lolly, lolly, lolly. Mm-hmm. So it seems. Oh, lolly, 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 of yeah, course. Yeah. So it seems, it seems a little <laughs> bit intentional that she mis- Right, like, because it's the Pike kids singing it. So sh- it's like how they, like, heard it They on don't the know radio. them right. Yeah. 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 But I found that interesting that she, like, that she did that. Anyway. It's also subtle enough that you might not notice. Well, I didn't (laughs) notice until I actually started looking up who wrote them. Then I was like, wait, that's not, it's not the same. I noticed with Who Put the Bomb because that was one of my favorites. Yeah. The other thing I looked into was the Abominable Snowman. Because I was like, why (laughs) is it called? Like, because when when else do you hear that word used, really? (laughs) Only in front of Snowman. (laughs) Only in front of Snowman. And it's like, Why? So, um, yeah, you don't hear anyone call it the abominable weatherman. Exactly. (laughs) So I kind of looked into it and I found the most legit source was like a Smithsonian article. It was a really long article. And the the gist of the article was more about how, uh, like these, these creatures like the Yeti and the abominable snowman are, are seen differently as things like the Loch Ness monster, because like, you know, just because abominable snowman is more like, like human, like, so people see it differently. So like if someone found the Loch Ness monster, they'd be like, cool, we found this interesting sea creature. But if you found the abominable snowman, you'd be like, who's this wild creature that's man-like, but isn't a man type of thing. Is the abominable snowman the same as the Yeti? Yeah. So they're all based on this okay. idea of like the wild man. Yeah. It's like a man who's gone into the wild and become Sasquatch. a different creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, so they, the article talked about why it is called abominable. And so in the 1920s, there was a journalist working in Calcutta, and he was hearing reports of a wild man in the Himalayas from members of a 1921 British expedition to Mount Everest. So Sherpas who were leading them discovered fr- footprints that they believe belonged to a wild man. And the journalists hearing these reports misinterpreted the Tibetan term. So they were saying meto kangmi, which means man-like wild creature. Mm-hmm. But he mixed, the journalists mix up the word meto with mech. 
which translated it from wild man to filthy or dirty man. So it was kind of an accident. So he he took that, his misinterpretation, and then he and basically called it the abominable snowman because like, you know, abominable means like moral revulsion. Mm-hmm. It's like dirty. So he basically like created clickbait kind of on accident. 1920s clickbait. 1920s yeah. clickbait. But like, you know, just the term of abominable snowman just captured the imaginations of people and it just kind of stuck. But it was it was a, a mistranslation, basically. Whether it was accidental or not, not sure, but that that's how it happened. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What can what can we call abominable? I feel like <laughs> feel like it it deserves a, a comeback and something else. Abominable Logan. <laughs> yes. Although he stepped it up in this book. He was nice. He's fine. <laughs> in this book, he's fine. <laughs> Let's see. Um Anything else I have here? Uh, oh, they named the cat Socks Sebastian Perkins, which I thought was cute. Mm-hmm. I had a cat named Socks. Oh, I like that. In, in another illustration, they're eating ice cream out of a box. Yeah, which we had like, a lot of box ice cream as children. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal Creamery, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, which I thought was kind of like uh, dates the book a little bit. Oh, in the ballet, when they spend the night at dance school, like they're, they talk about how like... The girls are playing with their hair and, and gossiping, and the boys oh, are yeah. also gossiping, but also fixing a radio. Yes. But then I was like, this is actually kind of accurate. Like, I could actually <laughs> see that happening. <laughs> Just based on Micah, I can see him being like, huh, look, cool radio. I'm going to try to fix it. Yeah, definitely gendered, but. Gendered, but also yeah. I was like, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Fixing um, a radio. Another, another wild Another abominable man name is the the owner of the diner across the street from the dance school, Mr. Wozneski, who gives them all free breakfast. There's just like lots of exciting names in this book. But I There's love all- that they all got to go to the diner together and get free diner breakfast. Like, Oh, it was romantic. Time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jesse goes to Quint, isn't this romantic? I'm like, what 11-year-old says that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, and then you get Jesse's Jesse's little note in the epilogue that Christy asked their, for their final thoughts on their adventure. And Jesse says, heaven, I'm in heaven. The dance was wonderful. Quint is wonderful. Life is wonderful. Jesse. Yeah, let's talk about Mary Ann's Only. entry too. <laughs> Christy, you don't want all the details, do you? They're private. Logan and I had fun. That's all. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Did they have sex? <laughs> Man. Definitely not. Uh, definitely not. No. Definitely not. Well, that's all I got. Okay. But overall, had a good time. Yeah. I like the peril super specials. I was saying before, yeah, more you know, danger. I, yeah. I think as a kid, I liked the vacation ones, but I, so far, I think I like this and uh, Island Adventure best. Um, I didn't get, take any tallies of candy. I don't think I... I don't think there was any. Yeah, there was a lot of food, which made me want to ask the question, what would be your ideal snowbound food? I Like, literally, I didn't think. And in my head, like, I heard a voice in my head say, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> like, like, immediately. Ew. What? I don't know. I just, that's what I pictured immediately. I don't know that that's what I would want, but that's my answer. I'd probably eat a lot of popcorn that... Mm-hmm. It's in, a like, good one. batches that I made on the stove. Oh, Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some like hot With like a lot tea. of butter on it. Yeah. Like a lot. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I would probably want to make some nachos. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I would just like, like a. Like good nachos or just like melted cheese on no, chips? No, like good nachos. Like, well, mm. I guess the oven wouldn't work, would it? Mm, if you have a gas oven, it might work. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. No, like you spread it. You spread out good chips on a cookie sheet. So every chip gets the right amount of toppings, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I would make those nachos. Then I would have like a little, like a bunch of little candies out. But also, so you have lots of candies, sour, chocolate, and then, but also you would want the savory. So like Chex Mix, popcorn, mm-hmm. ruffles with with French onion Is this dip. different from how you eat most of the time? <laughs> it's not. I actually almost took a photo of our kitchen counter the other day because I was like, this is a disaster. It had like Girl Scout cookies, potato chips, some like sour candies, <laughs> like 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 half-eaten chocolate bars. <laughs> Please do take a picture next time. Um, yeah. Half-eaten chocolate bars? <laughs> well, no one, I can't eat a whole chocolate bar. It's like the Tony Chocoloni chocolate bars. Oh, so. Were they like wrapped? They're wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, they're wrapped like, up. Okay. Yeah. Emily's okay. just picturing like a bite and then it's sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was picturing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there weren't a ton of tallies. There was uh, one sophisticated, one shy, one individual, and one health food. But there was uh, the reference to oriental food, which did not age well. And then at one point, I think the Pike kids are doing a snow dance to try to get it to snow, like a rain dance. Mm, and I yikes. can't, yeah, can't imagine that that was without problems. Yeah. Yeah. What was everyone's favorite weird line? Okay, so I only wrote down one because I was reading on the Kindle. And it's not even that weird. It's just that Jordan at one point just responds to something with the phrase, no dork, which I thought was kind of normal <laughs> for the triplets. Like I would have expected him to have some like weird inside baseball, like insult or something, some like quip that was like really specific to the Pikes. And I was like, that's such a normal, like, yeah, neg f- to come from a Pike triplet. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. I had when Claudia's at the Perkinses. Um, and Gabby and Mariah are making their plans for what they're going to do with their snow day. And they're really excited. And Gabby's like, we're going to make a whole snow. And Mariah says, we're going to make a whole snow family with a snow mommy and a snow daddy, three snow girls, a snow dog, and two snow cats. And so Claudia says to them, you're going to be very busy tomorrow. And Mariah says, that's what happens when you're five. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I liked that a lot. I also liked that when they lose Emily Jr., the rat in that's the other thing happening in the Watson Brewer household is Emily Jr. is missing mm. um, in the giant mansion and somehow she gets found not realistic. Emily Jr. is off to the races. Well, <laughs> you know, you know why she got found. I forget why. David Michael ratnapped her. Oh, right. So she wasn't actually lost. Right. Mm-hmm. She was ratnapped. She but, was um, in the basement with Chewy. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Karen is describing finding her not in the cage and she says, no sign of a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Which I felt that's like that's such a good Karen Brewer line. Yeah, that's also a good episode title. Yeah, it is good. Um, I have one. It is duty, 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 duty. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's duty, doo duty, doo doo by Stacy in her last entry. But the funny part, it, her whole entry is duty, doo doo, duty, doo doo. I was in a scene from. A Twilight Zone show. My mom and I were lost on a lonely dark road at nighttime during a snowstorm and suddenly... 
Right. It's the Twilight Zone theme, Anne. Yeah. It's oh. doo 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 I did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> at all. I thought she was just saying that. Because I feel like that's how I would also write a letter to someone. Oh, so accurate. There's so many letters from Anne that are just like, pee, pee, poo. Anyway. <laughs> You're a professional writer. <laughs> what? <laughs> la la la. Oh. Here I am writing in your yearbook. La la la. I, I bet I can go find it right now. <laughs> I also oh slightly related. I hum when I pee, apparently. <laughs> because when I used to work in office, I used to go, I would go to the I would go to pee, and then I hear my coworker be like, Anne? And I'd be like, Allison? And Alice is like, you're humming. And I'm like, I am? She's like, yeah. <laughs> so right, I just so- have like a running either internal or external monologue of just like gibberish, apparently. Yeah, I think so. So which weirdest um, line do we want to go to? I guess no the, sign of a struggle. Yeah, no sign of a struggle okay. is good. Great. Excellent. It does sound like someone maybe died in the book, but. Mm-hmm. Snowbound, no sign of a struggle. <laughs> yeah, a little dark, whatever. It's part of the course. Mm-hmm. Okay, our pizza toast. Mm. I really liked the, and you guys are going to make fun of me because it's a Christy thing, but, I, but I'm really more complimenting Anna Martin. Like, I love Christy's initial letter at the beginning to the editor asking to write this human interest piece. I feel like it's so Christy and so Anna Martin. It's like very specific about what she wants it to be. There's like bad puns in it that I feel like a 13-year-old wouldn't write in this context. And then at the end, she tries to sell the Babysitter's Club in a PPS and Marianne stops her. So that doesn't need to be what we pizza toast to, but I just really thought it was really funny and a really good way to start the book. We could pizza toast to human interest. (laughs) (laughs) What about spirit? Mm-hmm. To the like the weather reporter. Oh yeah, the poor weather person. Justice for weather people. Justice for weather people. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, pizza toast to the justice for weather people. For justice weather people. for weather people. <laughs> this episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Salar Khan. You can find her work and hire her at propodcastediting.net. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. You can also join us on Patreon for bonus content at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. 